You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make the first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 years or older, restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 201 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wild Wednesday, hump day Wednesday, or late Wednesday. I want to apologize for getting this episode out late. Usually they're out first thing really early, bright and early in the Wednesday morning, but unfortunate circumstances kind of got in the way and some technical difficulties, but we're here now, so... um Welcome. Hope everybody's week is going well. Uh, you know, almost the weekend. I guess it's a short week, right? Um, yeah, guys. Um, I want to thank everybody for the for the uh, overwhelming success of the episode 200th anniversary and and all the the, the well wishes and uh, and messages that I got. I really appreciated that. And uh, I want to thank everybody who took the time to um, um, appear on the show. As and uh, I figured, hey. If it's such a good party, why not keep it going? Uh, episode 201 will be more of the same. Actually, um, it is the remainder of the guests that I had on. Um, I didn't want to make a whole five-hour, four-hour episode. I don't even know how long it would have been, but it would have been three, three-and-a-half, four-hour plus um, if I put all the uh, segments on together, so I decided to break it up. Um, 
So today I have four more, my final four guests. Uh, Tony out in Vancouver. We just talked about memorable fights and, uh, and, and fights that meant something at the time and, and what surrounded them and that type of thing. And, uh, of course then Searson, my boy Searson out there in the UK, John and, uh, and Scott from the UK as well, a Sheffield and a Nottingham fan. Uh oh, rivalry. But, uh, we talk about the top five fighters from each of those teams and those teams histories. And then, uh, I have Patrick on to talk about his, uh, you know, his, his fandom of the Philadelphia Flyers and, uh, his top 10 flyer list, which, um, you know, with that team, like I said, with that, with history of the Flyers, I mean, that could be a top 50 list really, but, and we, when we cover that and, uh, yeah, again, I want to thank everybody who took the time to come on the show. Um, to those I've missed, as I said in the, uh, the intro of, uh, last, uh, on Sunday's episode on the 200th, it was, it was nothing personal of who I chose. I chose him over this guy and I didn't want to have that guy. And it was nothing like that. Basically it was a matter of convenience as I was recording when one would wrap up. Who could I get a hold of? And again, it's not like these people have their cell numbers, so you can just get a hold of them right away with a text message. Most of it was through Facebook or Twitter. So you send them a private message, and maybe they're not on social media that day, or they don't see it for a few hours, or you know, a couple days in some in some sense in some cases. So um, I just couldn't wait, uh, just due to you know with the time restrictions. So that's all it came down to. It was a matter of okay, I just finished with this guy. Who's replied to me now? Who can get going right now? And that's how that's how I did it. And, uh, it was, like I said, it was nothing personal, but as I said earlier, I have everyone's name that got a hold of me to do, to come on the anniversary issue, uh, episode. And I definitely want to have all of you on at some point. I want to record with all of you. Um, I really like the collaborative, um, or the group sort of, uh, uh, shows. Um, and I want to do this going forward. Like I said, it, it, it's something you're always looking for something different, right? I mean, there's only so many player interviews or, or myself just yelling out the, out the window about things. I mean, there's only, you just, you run out of topics to talk about really. Um, so I think, um, uh, or at least it's one voice, it, one voice gets boring after a while. Uh, so I think if I had like two or three or four people on, um, you know, obviously everyone's perspective is different. Their approach is different even just their speaking uh the their volume and their inflection is different so i think it's just a different it's a different noise so to speak and um uh i think what i'm going to do is i'm going to get a hold of everybody individually obviously and record and you know maybe do a 20 minute half an hour segment with each person we'll just pick a topic just like this like the last couple episodes and we'll do that and I'll save them. And then on a Wednesday or a Sunday, I'll put three or four of them together and I'll put it out there. So, uh, the listeners get to hear, you know, like I said, multiple voices, you have multiple voices in your head. And, uh, and I, I don't know. I, like I said, I think it's just a different way of doing things, a different approach to the show, different format. Um, like I said, always trying to change It'll always be fight based. Obviously I'm not all of a sudden going to have someone on and we're going to, drop analytics or talk numbers or, you know, power plays or anything. That'll, believe me, that'll never happen. Um, <laughs> but um, it'll always be fight-based. I mean, uh, enforcer-based podcasting, right? Um, but I think it'll be, you know, you can approach it different or have a different voice or what have you. And, uh, yeah, I think going forward, I, I don't know, I thought it was kind of cool. And like I said, I'll, I'll put a few out, and if they don't do well or I get a bunch of people saying, ah, that sucked, then I won't do it anymore. But um, I don't know. I think it'll be something different anyway. But um, anyway, guys, 
Uh, I won't talk too long today. Like I said, I got four of these segments, and they go, uh, um, you know, some of them are fairly lengthy. So, um, yeah, other than that, I apologize again for the the delay. Usually they come out, you know, first thing Wednesday mornings, you know, 3 or 4 a.m., but uh, like I said, it got tied up last night, so I wasn't able to edit this. But, um, yeah, how about we get at it? Uh, But, uh, first of all, if, if... uh, before I do that, I'm jumping ahead. I'm trying to rush you out of here. Um, if you're new to the show, I know I picked up a few listeners just with the anniversary because they're your friends or whatever, and they're on a podcast. Oh, check this out. I'm on a podcast. Um, I want to welcome you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I really hope you come back and, uh, and you know, become a regular listener. Subscribe to the, the podcast, whatever uh, platform you're listening to. Um, that'd be great. And uh, like I said, episode 201, Plenty of stuff in the back catalog to check out. Lots of player interviews. Um, uh, you know, Morasti, McIntyre, Brad Wingfeld, uh, Roman Volpat, Clark Wilm, Joey Tedarenko. Um, lots of good stuff in there. Uh, lots of great, these guys tell some great stories. Definitely highly recommend checking it out. Um, other than that, a uh, bunch of rant episodes and, and fellow fight fan interviews that we talk about a variety of different things, top tens and, and all that type of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I encourage you to go back and, like I said, check out the back catalog. Um, again, I know there's a million podcasts out there, and, uh, and we're all fighting for airtime, so or onto a person's playlist. And there's only so much time in the day, so the fact that you right now are taking the time to to listen to this episode, I greatly appreciate it, and I, I really want to thank you. And uh, and like I said, I hope you stick around. Um, and if you want to, st- and if you like what you're hearing, and you stick around. Um, Check me out on social media, uh, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. I'm always putting up pictures and fight videos. I'm on YouTube as well. I have over 2,700 fight videos on my YouTube channel. Again, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Um, everything's sorted to whatever league you're looking for. NHL, WHL, AHL, the old IHL. All that stuff's on there. Just It's all sorted. Just type in whatever league. Boom, it'll come up. Definitely subscribe to the channel. Um, again, whatever platform you're listening to this, um, if you feel so inclined, if you could rate and review my show, um, it helps me out in the searches. Um, and, uh, yeah. And please download the episodes. Do not stream. If you down, I get paid by the download, but not only above the, not only the, 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 in that, but, uh, although getting paid is always nice. Um, it also helps it just in terms of analytics. You can just see the numbers and you, plus you can see, cause when it's streamed, you can't, you don't get any num- feedback from that. When it's downloaded, you can see the numbers. You can see how it's doing, where, what demographic it's doing, what region of the world, you know, all that type of things. And, uh, you can just, it, as a creator, it helps when you just, when you see that because you know what's kind of what's working, what's not working, um, that type of thing. So if you could download it, I would greatly appreciate that. There, I'm done. I'm done asking for your help. Well, no, one more thing. I know I'm so needy. I'm always asking for things. Um, it's very simple. Um, all I ask is that if you enjoy the show and you and you have a friend or some friends that you think would enjoy it, um, spread the word. Like I, I, I've, I've said this on on many episodes, um, and I will probably say this on many more. Um, this is your guys' show. As I said, it's a fourth line voice, and. Uh, and I have, I'm the, I have said, I'm the voice of the voiceless, right? I've, I'm the guy with the microphone. So I hear what you guys are saying and I spin it out, I spin it out to the world because other people don't have a microphone in front of them and I do. And I always say, this is the people's show. It's your guys' show. 
And uh, at the same time, um, I don't have alcohol named after me. I don't have a massive network. As much as Dylan and Nisha have grown the Hockey Podcast Network, and they're doing great, and and they're the, we're the little engine that could as far as the network goes. But we're not TSM, we're not ESPN or Barstool. Not yet. Maybe someday. But uh, we're always growing. But in order to grow... We need your guys' help. And, uh, like I said, if you have an old, if you know an old school fight fan who's not on social media, that's my niche. Those are my boys right there. I, I'm obviously probably a, an older demographic. The one that isn't on social media is probably who would enjoy my show. Uh, like I, I always reference the old fight message board days of the fried chicken and the hockeyfights.com before they screwed it up with all the old message boards and drop your gloves site that used to be up with the message boards. Those people that used to be, members of those message boards, this is their show. It's, this is, I always say this is like an audio fight message board. Um, but the thing is, is a lot of those guys aren't, they're not on Twitter. They're not on Instagram and it's sort of a young person's game, you know? And, uh, so they have no way of knowing about this show. Um, the only way they're going to know is if you're still in contact with them and you let them know. And, uh, yeah, just say, Hey, there's some crazy goof that used to be on fried chicken yelling under microphone. You should listen to his shit. And, uh, yeah. And so, like I said, if you guys could spread the word, retweets, share on Facebook, tell your friends, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Like I said, you guys are my billboard. So, um, anyway, enough of the advertising plugs, but I, uh, or asking you for help. Um, I do have to, I, I do have to talk about the sponsors for a quick sec. And I'm going to talk about a few friends. Um, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. So check it out. And then for my off-network friends, of course, I got, you know, Mud Show down. Well, he's not in Florida anymore. He's moved to North. He's taking his show on the road to North Carolina. Oh, here we go. Right? North Kakalaki. Here we come. Like I said, he packed up the shanty and he's on the move. Yep. Now he's working him and some other guy. I don't know. So whatever operation they got going, working out of the freaking piggly, out of the back room at the piggly wiggly. But Alec, old sailor at the Five for Fighting podcast. I don't want to bust on Alec too much. He does a great job. Uh, as much as that pains me to say sometimes, yeah, the kid's all right. <laughs> but uh, he just released an episode. It's actually the East Coast Hockey League year in review. Um, not that the season's done yet, but for him, um, he, like I said, he was a Florida Everblades season ticket holder. And of course, him and the wife moved to North Carolina, so um, he just sort of reviewed his time in Florida this year and talked about some of the guys and, um, yeah, how he really got into the East Coast League and uh, got so much into it. Not only did he really have a lot of podcast about it, but he has a YouTube channel about it, Five for Fighting on YouTube. Definitely subscribe to his channel. Again, uh, put up a lot of the East Coast fights from this year, some from last year. I know he's going to put a few more up. As they, as they get settled in North Carolina and get, you know, back into the swing of things, I know he's going to go back through the uh, archives and put up some older East Coast League fights. But in the meantime, subscribe to his channel, trying to get him to 1,000 subscribers, and uh, and check it out. So actually, some, a lot of good tilts in the East Coast League this year. Nah, a lot. I shouldn't say a lot, but, you know, I mean, a lot compared to what? To the NHL, I guess, but, I mean, that's, you know. You know, that's sort of like being the nicest guy in prison. But, you know, um, but there was some fights. But Glotz and Thrower and Howe and Neubauer and all those guys, uh, Blackman, there's some good dudes down there. So definitely check out his channel. Check out his podcast. Like I said, tremendous back catalog. Yablonski, Rob Ray, Via Lois. Uh, he does a bang-up job. Alec, check it out. Five for Fighting podcast. Then, of course, the king of New York, 
Broadway Joe Lazito. Give me Lazito. Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander based podcast. Enforcer based podcast. Um, yeah, and he, Mick Fakoda, Strudwick, Ashen, Bolton. He's had them all on. Again, tremendous back catalog. Joe's, uh, you know, hey, this New York, New York, the city that never sleeps. Joe's banging out. He's a lot of work lately. And uh, so he hasn't had a chance to do a lot of podcasting in the last little while. But I know he's trying to set something up for you guys. And uh, But uh, in the meantime, check out his back catalog. Tremendous. And like I said, working out of MSG. Hard in New York. He's a busy dude. What can you say? Right now, just a pass. He's, he's taking pictures of his of the basement with all his, his memorabilia and his, you know, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it, oh, you game used gear up on the wall, gloves and shoulder pads and I don't know what else, but I could have, like I said, I could just imagine, I mean, you know, he should be looking for a Febreze sponsorship is what he should be doing. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine what that basement smells like. I'll tell you. Just Joe down there in all his glory. Yeah, surrounded by hockey gloves. <sighs> Breathe it in. Yes. But, uh, no, Joe's got lots of cool stuff. Actually, it's funny. Some of the posters and stuff that he's been taking pictures of, it's like, yeah, I have, I have the same, the Enforcer poster and all that stuff. Yeah, I have that sitting over here in my, rolled up here in my closet. I haven't put it out yet, but I, I would really like to. So, uh, yes, I just need to find the time to do so. But, uh, yes, but Coliseum Chronicles, tremendous uh, podcast. Give it a listen. Broadway Joe Lazito, give it a Lazito. All right. Shut up, Darren. Let's get into this. All right. Here's uh, the the remaining four guests from my anniversary special. Um, again, 201 episodes. Can't thank you guys enough for, for always tuning in and, um, and, and sending comments. Like I said, if you're on social media, please send me a message, direct message me. If you're not on social media, you're smarter than the rest of us, believe me. But uh, just email me, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Um, actually, I got a bunch of emails this week. Um, which was really cool. But yeah, if you ever have something to say or you're looking for a picture or something or you just have a comment, an opinion, um, you want to talk about my show, good, bad, or otherwise, I'm all ears. Uh, please send me, I love the feedback and uh, I will get back to you right away. Yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. So uh, like I said, just drop me a line and uh, yes, thank you everybody once again for uh, for uh, for the two, for the. Um, for all the messages about the episode to the 200th episode. And um, I don't want to promise 200 more. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Um, But um, you know, with everything there's ups and highs and lows. And uh, sometimes it gets very frustrating and you wonder why you're doing this. And other times, well, most of the time it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and, uh, and I always enjoy the interactions with people and, and, and when you hear that, oh, you're part of someone's commute or you make their day, you know, the day, the work go, the work day go a little faster. Um, that's, that's always, that's always good to hear. And I'm glad to be a part of many people's, uh, you know, their routine, their Wednesday and Sunday routines or whatever, or whenever you happen to listen to the show. And, um, and that's pretty cool. And, uh, and I appreciate it. So we'll, uh, for the foreseeable future, I will remain <laughs> a, a staple in your in your routine. But um, all right, guys, thank you very much, and uh, let's get at it. Episode two hundred one, and uh, we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody.
All right, here on episode 200, uh, the next guest on the line, I've known this man, man, I don't know how long I've known you for. It's been a long time, two decades maybe, since the early early internet days on the line from Vancouver. Tony, Tony, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on, for sure. Yeah, you were saying before we got going, yeah, it's like, I think it was the, the, the Rink Rat site is where I first, we first uh, connected. Yeah, late, late 90s. Yeah. Yeah, probably mid, mid to the late 90s. Absolutely, yeah, kind of around there. And then, of course, the, uh, you know, traded over the years and everything else, you and Napes and the boys out there. Um, but, so tonight, uh, we're going to do a list here. You got, a, you know, 10 fights in no order, but it's, uh, how, well, here, I'll get you to describe what, what you're going to talk about here. Okay, um, I just have, uh, I just made a list of 10, 10 fights, not like the greatest fights of all time not the toughest guys or anything like that. Just guys, I thought 10 fights that actually had a bit of meaning, kind of like a statement fight, like, you know, they fought for a, a, a reason, not just like to see who's tougher or whatever. Like, maybe they did something to a teammate, you know, and the, the guy didn't, didn't want retribution or something. That's how I kind of did that list for. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. All right. Well, and you didn't tell me ahead of time this list here, so I'm uh, you're going to hit me with some stuff here. It's my going to be my genuine reaction to it. So yeah, the first one you're going to you're going to cringe. I think the first one, all right. And so the first one is I'm not going in any order, but the first one I have is Schultz and Robinson, and in my opinion, the most overrated fight of any fight I've ever seen. I completely, but, I completely agree. We'll, yes. Yeah. You know Schultz. Schultz. You know it's a big bench clearing brawl, and they end up pairing off. All these fights, all these, all the ten on my list are on available on YouTube and whatever. So, but I thought I thought this fight particular just because you know Schultz was the big bully, the Flyers, you know the Broad Street Bulls, all that stuff, and Robinson was pretty young, probably his second or third year maybe, and they you know they end up pairing off, and Robinson like okay. Sure, you're going to give him a slight decision, but you know Schultz slipped, and then Robinson lands a couple more. Then I think Dupont jumps in and and whatever. But I, I just I have it on my list kind of as a statement fight because you know the Flyers they would push everybody around or they'd be intimidating and stuff. And Robinson just said enough of it, enough of that, and I'm going to fucking take care of shit myself, right? And like sure you can give him the win and whatever, like. But it wasn't a huge fight, but I just thought it meant a lot because the Canadians were not a, they're a very passive team, you know, the flying Frenchmen, all that stuff, weren't a fighting team. And I thought that fight kind of gave them a bit of an edge over the Flyers. I see what you mean. Yeah, no, it was definitely the, uh, yeah, I guess, it, like you said, I think fight-wise it's completely overrated. Like some guys in the press, on the message boards, left, it was the end of the hammer. It's like, okay, dial, yeah, yeah. dial that down a little bit. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah, from a from a from a visual standpoint, yeah, huge win for Robinson for sure. Yeah. All right. So next on my list, I got Fatou and Ben Wilson, and I've always loved this fight. And Wilson's a rookie. You know, Fatou, of course, already, you know he has a big rep. Yep. And I thought this fight meant quite a bit because, um, similar to the Habs thing, is the Rangers were pretty passive. Right, they you know they had guys that could fight and stuff, but they didn't have that legitimate heavyweight. And then you know Fatou's on the team, and uh, this is after he came back from the WHA, 
And Wilson, like, as a rookie, fucking just deadly. Anytime he was deadly, right? He was a dangerous fighter. He had didn't have a weakness. And I thought, like, this is a great fight. I love it. It's one of my favorites. And I thought, you know, it's pretty even. And then that one last shot by Fatih, like, sends Wilson, like, he loses his grip and he kind of, he's ready to go again, but the lines can separate him. I thought that fight really meant something because it was like, you know, I'm here and you're not going to push us around. And, you know, Fatih had more of a rep, I think, than anything. Like, I've talked to former players and stuff, and, and they think, like, even if they didn't fight him, they knew of his rep. And I thought that was pretty, um, it was, he, he, I thought his rep was kind of bigger than his, his fights. So, yeah, I thought that was, you know, and, and, and Wilson, like, as a rookie, he was just dominating. I, I wish they had fought again, they never did, but, uh, which is kind of surprising in all those years, so. But no, that's a good anyway, one. Yeah. Um, okay, another one on my list is uh, Gillies and Hoyda. Now, there was a big brawl, and Hoyda went after Boss. He took a run at him in the corner or whatever. And, you know, Gillies a lot of times played on Bossy's line. And so they come together, and he just dismantled Hoyda in about fucking six punches, and it was done. And I thought that was huge because, like, you know, that was a big rivalry and, you know, the Flyers were tough. Hoyt is trying to be the next Dave, Dave Schultz, you know, wearing number eight and he's a tough guy and whatever. And just, uh, uh, he just got fucking killed by Gillies. And I thought that was a, I, I thought that fight meant quite a bit because it's like, you know what? Like you might be the new up and coming guy for the Flyers and I'm going to fucking show you who's tough. And yep. uh, it was over pretty quick. It was. Yeah. Actually, I just, that's funny. I just put that picture up on the, on the Facebook group there was it yesterday or the day before, but yeah, that was, uh, no, I'm, I'm digging the list so far, man. All right. Um, so like I said, this is in no order. Um, so I have some 82 playoffs in round one, Fred, uh, Putt and Fraser fought, they fought, uh, twice, I believe in game one. And I thought the first one, like it's on video. People have seen it where Fraser just drops Platt in about two punches. And that, that really meant a lot because Calgary was a tough team. Vancouver was definitely a really tough team back then. And I thought it was kind of like, you know, game one, this is what's going to happen. And like, they set the tone right away. I thought it, you know, they did have a couple other fights in their career. None, none that really matched like uh, Fraser with Chicago or set with Minnesota, whatever. They never matched the hype of those Vancouver Calgary ones. And I thought uh, that was a pretty good, like, the quality is too, it's too bad. It's pretty, pretty grainy, but, um, those were good fights. And I thought, uh, that it set the tone. Vancouver was, um, you know, we're not taking any shit from Calgary and, you know, they beat them three straight and they were out. Yeah. And I got another one from, uh, another one, another Canuck fight from the third round of the same year, 82. And there's a big line brawl going on, and Mulvey comes out, and he butt-ends Lars Lindgren in the chin. And so DeLorme's like, I've had enough of this, and grabs him, and just just fucking feeds him. And Mulvey is just pouring blood. I've sent you a picture of it. Yep. And uh, that, that fight meant a lot. It was, it was in, um, they wrote a, a book about that uh, 82 run and stuff. And that fight actually meant a lot because it just it just deflated the Blackhawks. 
I think it was in game, it might have been game two in Chicago, and it really deflated him. And, you know, they're a tough guy, like toughest guy, I guess you could say. It's just, he's, he told the uh, Ron Dorm, he goes, I've had enough. And, like, he's just beaten and bloodied, and Dorm had a sore hand, so he was happy to oblige, but it was, uh, it was a pummeling and it was a statement saying like, you know what, you're not going to come out here and run our guys and not pay a price. There you uh, go. Yeah, that's a great, that's, that's one of my all time favorite hockey pitchers too. That's just a tremendous it picture. Is, yeah, it is. It is. Um, okay. So that's it for the, for the Canuck lights. But anyway, so next one on my list, um, I have Brown and Baumgartner and everybody knows, you know, Brown is, as tough as they, as they come, Baumgartner was, he was a top 10 guy for sure. And this fight happened, I believe it was around, I could not exactly sure the date around 1990, maybe 91. And Baumgartner, I think he fought a Jones or something like that earlier in the game. And Brown was just like, I've had enough, you know, you beating up on a guy who's not really a fighter and Brown goes out there and he broke uh, Baumgartner's either orbital bone or cheekbone or something. And that, that really sent a statement because, you know, Brown was, he was mean, he was dirty, he was tough. And he knew his job, did a, did a great job of it. And I thought, you know, that really, like, as far as I know, they never fought again. And Baumgartner really took a licking uh, from that one. Yeah, you, that? you know, which was rare because, like, you know, Bomber didn't lose too many fights. I mean, he might have got outpunched here or there, but he certainly didn't take yeah. like, beatings very often. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I was uh, pretty one-sided. Yeah. Um, so, okay, next on my list, I got uh, Domi Probert, the rematch, right? Everybody's seen it a million times. Yeah. I thought it was a, pr- a pretty good statement because, you know, Domi you know, arguably won the first one, whatever, doing the belt and all that stuff. And Probert just, you know, as Improbert has done in many times, he's like, you know what, we're going to go again. I don't give a shit if you think you're tough. You know, I'm going to show you he's tough. And, like, what he – I can't remember the the punch count, but it was insane. And I thought, uh, I thought like, Domi just looked like a fool because, you know, he goes off waving and he – amazing, he wasn't bloodied. He goes off waving and stuff, and but he got his ass handed to him big time. And I'm not sure if that was – almost his ticket out of town or I'm not sure. Cause I don't know if he played much more for the Rangers after that, but um, I thought, you know, that was prime Probert and he just, just shit kicked him. And I thought that was a pretty good statement saying like, you think you're the, the new heavyweight champ? I'll show you who the heavyweight champ is. And, you know, he just pummeled him. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. I got another Probert fight on here. A couple, actually I got three Probert fights on my list. Um, one is Scott Parker. And Parker, you know, he was awesome junior, awesome in American League, comes in, and one of his first fights, he takes on Probert. And um, I heard that, I don't know if it's true, I heard Probert, uh, Parker was a bit in awe of him at the, when they were kind of squaring off. He's like, I can't believe I'm fighting, you know, Bob Probert. Yeah. And Probert, he's got the long arms, he's, and he got a grip, and he landed a couple of haymakers. He's just sent Parker reeling, and I love that fight. I think it's a great fight because it's kind of like the young, up-and-coming like heavyweight champ of the, of the WHL, and 
maybe of the American League in that of that time, and, and he comes in and just, you know, Probert just again a machine, right? Just yeah. took took it to him. Didn't you know? And Parker, I think he got concussed, and I think he yeah, got he sent did. down after that fight. Like it was, yeah. But that was a, that was a huge fight. Like it was a, a big hype, and and Parker's a big guy. He's no slouch. But Probert's got that reach on him, and that's kind of punch power that you don't see Probert have in a lot of his fights. No, like that was yeah. You're right, and like Chris, that's a, that's the one thing with Probert. Like you know, for as great as Probert was and everything else, he was. I I would never. I, I had this conversation with someone a little just just recently. I don't think Probert was ever viewed as a power punching guy. You know, he didn't have no. any knockdowns or anything. He had a couple, but not. But yeah, but the thing, yeah, like you said with the Parker, right? He's a young gun, a lot of hype coming up, and and uh, and Probert, you know, kind of on the last on the back nine, the last leg of his career. But it's like the old man had one more in him, you know, and it's just like. Yeah, for him to buckle Parker like that, not just out punch him and beat him, but like to buckle him like that. Yeah, that was a big yeah. statement fight for sure. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, another another pro going back to the eighties. That's in my wheelhouse, eighties and nineties. But um, I thought the fight uh, uh, in De- in Chicago when he fought Glenn Cochran, and yes. everybody's seen that one. Mick- Mickey Redman just loses his shit when they come back from commercial. Yeah. So I know that, you know, this, you know, this fight, and it means, it definitely meant something. It meant for, you know, Mickey Redmond could read how much this meant. You know, Cochran was on, the, you know, he was fading. He was in his last couple of years. Prober was in his fucking prime. And when they, you know, it was a great square off. And the linesman's like, you know, lets him go. And both guys, as Mickey Redmond said, both guys are very comfortable in doing this, right? And, uh, you know, Probert, Cochran never got a grip on him, and Probert just just beat him like a like a nothing. It was it was like he was a high school kid. Like it was a, a real beating, and and Cochran he he tried valiantly to throw and stuff, but he wasn't doing any damage. And you know, his jersey got kind of hung up, and and Probert just beat him right down to the ice. And you know, Mickey Red, <laughs> Mickey Redmond's just like. Oh boy, you know, or whatever he was saying, he's just he's just lost. It was a great fight. It was, you know, and it didn't mean. I thought you know, that that North Division, Chuck North Division, had so many tough guys, and this was just a a, a real fight. You know, even like I said, Mickey Redmond knew this meant a lot for like future games or for yeah whatever it was. Like you know, but it was it was a great fight, and um, so I got another one. Um, I have, um, I think the last one on my list here is Lemieux and McCarty. Yeah. And, you know, everybody knows why this stems. He hit Draper in the boards in the playoff face first. He broke his, so many bones in his face and yada, yada. So, you know, McCarty wanted revenge. And, you know, Lemieux always a backstabber, always with the visor on and shit like that. But McCarty beat him pretty good. And then he, ended up turtling and just started to hit his head on the, onto the ice. And of course everybody jumped in and stuff. I thought that really was, that was an awesome brawl. That was one of the best brawls I've ever seen with the goalies. And they've actually had two times they went at it. Once I think was Osgood and once was Vernon. Yep. And uh, I, I thought that was, I thought that was, you know, because Lemieux went off and he was all, his face was all bloodied and the camera didn't really pick it up too much. So there was one camera, angle that did sense 
pick it up where he's he's all bloodied and stuff because I think uh, McCarty was trying to slam his face into the ice and stuff like that. So anyway, that's that's my that's my top ten list. That's that's what I have for statement fights. I don't know if you agree or disagree on any of them. No, I agree. I agree. Actually, I agree with all of them. Like, yeah, you're right, and uh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, like you said, they're all you know. It it, it doesn't have to be like a playoff game or a, you know whatever. It was just at that moment at that time. The tension, the the hype that's surrounding it, like the Domi Probert yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, you could, you know, the same thing. You know, the Crowder Probert one too. You could do that too, right? And and you know, definitely. Yeah, and Joe Lewis, you know, with Cherry hyping it up, and Cherry couldn't even get tickets. He had to go buy scalper tickets. Him and McLean went and bought <laughs> yeah. scalp tickets, and they showed Cherry up in like the third deck with the drinking beer with the peanut gallery, cheering on the fights because he couldn't get the the Red Wing. I'm like, really? The Red Wings couldn't get Don Cherry tickets? Jesus! All right, I know, right? You know, like a, you think Probert um, could get him some tickets, but didn't, didn't the second one because they like they fought twice that game? Was it was it the first one? Where Crowder got the edge, or was it the second one? He I, jumped, was, I think it was the second one. He jumped Probert or something. Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. The first I, one he knocked him down. Yeah. I think Nicky Bryson was like, he knocked him down. He's all excited, right? Yeah. Probert's kind of standing over him, but the second one, I think, I think Crowder kind of jumped him. But I thought the best fight of that game was McKay and uh, Danico. That was that was the best fight I thought in the game. That was a two guys just really going at it and uh, two evenly. Even even guys, and who ended up being teammates. But I thought that was a great fight out, out of everything uh, that night. So yeah, yeah, that, that, that type of hockey's long long since dead. Oh yeah, that, that ain't happening anymore. But uh, but no. no, every once in a while, like it's um, yeah, when you when you get something like that, and you and it's yeah, like this, like you said, it doesn't have to. It could just be a middle of the season game, but something happened beforehand or whatever, and uh, yeah, it was built up and. No man, that list was solid, man. I dig it. Do you have any uh, anything you could any other fights you could think of like that? Like, yeah, well, you got I, thought, me I, I was I was I was thinking of of Semenko Hunter Semenko, the one in the corral when Hunter just lays the boots to him, and then Semenko uh, throws that sucker punch that drops Hunter, and then Pablinski comes in, and Jackson comes in. I thought that was a pretty big fight because that might have been their first fight. I'm not sure if it was. Well. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. I know what you're talking about, but you got my my mind's racing here with. Uh, I'm trying to think. Statement fights. Well, I know one fight. I don't like. I don't know. If it's, I don't know if it was a statement, but I can remember because it was on TSN, one of the TSN games of the night when it was Montreal and and Boston, and there was a line brawl or something. And I remember Darren Campbell kicking the shit out of Kevin Holler, and so oh the, god. So the next time they played is when Montreal had Mario Roberge in the lineup. and he, In Boston. Yeah, and he tunes Kimball. Like, he throws... Yeah, and I remember we were watching that game, and we didn't know who Roberge was, really. But we were big Kimball fans, right? And we're like, oh, okay, Kimball's going to kill this guy. And Roberge machine guns about 10 punches in a row. And I don't think Kimball even landed one. And it was like, oh... And then they show Kimball in the box I, after he's got ice on his eye and it's already I, closing. I think... I think his eye was shut before he even got to the penalty box. Yeah, that like, was just like, who the... I'm, we're looking at each other like, who's this Roberge guy? You know, we later find out, of course. It's like, well, all right. You know, Roberge did that to more than a few people. But it was like... And how, I, many, how, many, how many fights have they had in the minors before that? Like, oh my oh, goodness, yeah. they must have fought 
six to ten times. Like, well, him and, and, and the, like, fighting the Robert's brothers, right? Fighting both of them. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I, I can remember that. And it was just, yeah, just certain things. I mean, I'm sure if I sat down and really thought about it, yeah, you could come up with a bunch of stuff. But, but yeah, that your list there was solid, man. All right. Thank you. Well, hey, uh, that's been a long time coming to get you on the show. We'll have to, uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll uh, do a Canuck one or something like that. I don't want to bring your ratings down too much. So, well, well, yeah, we could do. We'll do a Canucks one, or uh, yeah, we could do something for de- definitely for sure. We could do something. All right, sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, here on the episode 200, oh, once again, or I'm crossing the pond here, folks. It's It's been the UK invasion. It's the British invasion. It's the Beatles all over again. Yeah, I got Scott from Sheffield. How you doing over there, man? I'm good, yeah. I'm really good, thank you. And uh, thank you for having me on. First time, uh, long time listener, first time caller, but no, ah, it's a pleasure. Cater with Cater. There you go. Uh, no, <laughs> man, this is excellent. Yeah, I know we've, uh, we've kind of... Uh, talk back and forth on Twitter and on social media over the last little while, the last few years, and uh, yeah, no, it's good to get you to get you on. And uh, today you are going to do uh, the uh, the top five Sheffield Steelers fighters. Yes, I am indeed. It's uh, it was tough. Uh, I was racking my brains, and and there's been guys who've kind of gone in and out the list, and. Uh, yeah, I finalized it probably a few hours ago. I had a, a late last minute inclusion who I, I was like, yep, I'm going to get that guy in. But no, it's been good to uh, put lists together and it's uh, brought back some good memories whilst doing so and, you know, doing a little bit of research and watching some old clips. And uh, it's been good fun. I've, uh, I've enjoyed putting it together for you. Well, that's excellent. Well, I just, uh, before we got going here, of course, like I said, I've been interviewing a bunch of different people. I had, I just, finished up with Sam Bell and we kind of talked yep. about his uh, and I've had John Searson on the show and um and, yeah. and uh so we I kind of talked to them about their because uh, uh well as John and I were talking about or and he had mentioned um how over in the UK hockey is very much a niche a niche sport still mm-hmm. and uh um when did you get first get into when did you get involved in hockey and uh and how, like basically how long have you been a fan for yeah, so uh, an interesting story and somewhat embarrassing story how I got into it. So I started going when I was about five or six years old, so that would have been 93, something like that, 1993. And what it was, um, my auntie who uh, went to go to this, well, she had a season ticket for the Steelers game. She came round um, one day after work and basically the um, the fair, do you know, with the fairground was in town. and. Okay. Um, I wasn't allowed to go on this uh, to the fairground. My sisters went, and they were all older. And, um, you know, at five years old, I was crying because I wanted to go. And my auntie came around, and she's like, what's the matter with him? And uh, my mom said, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's not allowed to go to the fair. He's too young, and he won't stop crying. And my auntie said, well, I've got a spare ticket for the hockey tonight. Does he want to come along to that? And um, never, I didn't even know what hockey was at that point. And obviously, only been five or six years old. It, you know, I'd never really come across it. And um, only from what my auntie had mentioned. So um, she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, take him. It might shut him up, and it'll get him out of the house. And, and so, uh, anyway, I went to the game, and... Uh, First game, I was hooked from then in. You know, the speed, the physicality. Um, so I've, I've been watching since about six years old. And then I was fortunate enough to 
start working with the Steelers doing some media stuff around 2007. So I started doing radio commentating, um, and then I started writing the match night program, some articles in there. Um, and then I, I then dabbled a little bit on uh, TV. So I, I helped um, out on a, a show called Premier Sports, uh, who covered the hockey in the UK. So I did like rinkside reporting. And then more recently, I've kind of got into the photography side of things and, and match reports uh, for a couple of local newspapers. So it's been a big part of my life in a lot of ways. And I played hockey as well. Um, from being about 16 years old so I started playing hockey myself around 2002 um, and yeah still play to this day rather badly and uh, you know it's, it's catching up with me all the injuries over the years and but no hockey is a massive massive part of my life and uh, it's how I met my wife as well um, so yeah so it's it's been a huge part of my life since I was about six years old really. There you go that's cool man yeah it, uh, well here we are yeah, well you, like you said you, you've uh Sheffield since uh, since '93, the Steelers, and yeah, some tough dudes have have rolled through town, and uh, not only with the Steelers, but just uh, just in that league uh, uh, in general. Um, I was saying when when I had John on, and we did the season season series there. I think a lot of North American fans, we've all been guilty of myself included, kind of get guilty of sleeping on the UK league a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of for fight fans. And I said until you start. Um, going over in the rosters and you're looking who's been over there at times, it's like, holy shit, you know, it's, uh, you know, you got VL and Bedard and all those guys, Fitzgerald and McWilliam and blah, 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 right? So it's like, uh, Nykar and Schulte and all them. So yeah, the UK has been, uh, been pretty strong fight wise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been uh, been interesting, uh, obviously, growing up and, and watching it and seeing the the type of player and, and the enforcers coming over and uh, and obviously kind of fizzled out more so in the last few years, which is a shame, as you know, as we all know. But um, you know, sadly, that's how how it's going. And but no, it's it's good to have the nostalgia and listen to obviously podcasts like yours and and have the uh, the channels, the UK Hockey Fights channel, to be able to go through that and, and relive it for nostalgia's sake and, and kind of uh, remember the good times, really. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, and it's just like, yeah, Paul's channel's so great with that stuff, so it's been, uh, you know, great for, for North American like myself, who was obviously unable to see it at the, like live, obviously, so to have mm-hmm. Paul's channel and him kind of covering all that was has been great to catch up on all that, and I will say, I, I said to John, and I said, that's for one thing for sure, that the UK guy, you guys are friggin' passionate every, anyway, and, uh, you know, and in terms of, um, you know, with the fights and all that, I know... Uh, a lot, a lot of the episodes, like when I've had Fitzgerald on or Colt King or Riley Emerson and that type of McMorrow and those guys, you know, the episodes are really well received over there. Cause I mean, you can see the numbers and the downloads and everything and, you know, it goes by region or whatever. And you look and there's the UK just, you know, just fired up that, uh, you know, you get Zach Fitzgerald on or whatever. So yeah, the, the UK fight fans have been, uh, are, uh, there might not be many, I will put it that way, but they're loyal and they're diehards for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, like you say, guys like CO and Paul, you know, they really know their stuff. And, um, you know, we've got a small, but like you say, uh, a loyal community of hockey fight fans here in the UK. And, you know, it's great that you, you provide the podcast. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it's definitely on my uh, regular listening uh, list anyway. So, uh, and I try to tell as many people as I can about it to kind of keep the role of the tough guy alive. And, uh, 
yeah, it's great that you you do what you do, and you know I appreciate it. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. No, that's great. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Like I said, I got you know yourself and uh, and yeah, John and and Paul and those guys and Sam and have been really you know uh, really helpful getting the word out. And yeah, it's been a, you know I really appreciate it. And like I said, yeah, and over there, I mean, you got the four thousand accounting guys and and mm. uh, and and you know, so there's the UK scene for sure in terms of the fighting and stuff. So. Yeah, no, it's been it's been cool to uh, kind of uh, see how it see how it goes and uh, getting the feedback from you guys. But uh, all right, well let's let's get into this. Unfortunately, like I said, with this episode, we got I got a whole bunch of people coming on, so I'm kind of doing like 15, 20 minute fucking blocks here. But um, so we'll get into your top five Sheffield Steelers. Yep. Right. So number five, I'll go I'll go in reverse order. So uh, number five. It's got to be the corn dog, Jeremy Cornish. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, man, Cornish. He was something. Oh, he was something. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, you know, when he came to the UK, he obviously came to the London races, uh, two thousand four, and uh, they had one of the toughest teams to to ever play in this in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, the likes of uh, obviously Cairns, Maxwell. Um, then they had um, oh, Jason Robinson who could throw it. Um, then they had uh, Mark Thomas, who's a British guy who who throw down a little bit. Um, Scott Nichol, you know, they were stacked. So uh, yeah, Cornish, who he played a long time in the UK, and then after obviously playing in the Elite League, he then went on to be the player coach in Isle of Wight, which is uh, you know a league or two below. But no, Cornish, he, he took on all comers. He uh, he kind of left Sheffield sadly under a bit of a cloud, not a cloud of smoke. But um, the coach at the time, uh, Dave Matsos, he kind of sacked him mid-season and, um, you know, gave him reassurances that, you know, he was needed. And um, it was a shame because Cornish was, you know, he was, he put it all on the line. You know, he'd be the first to admit that he wasn't the most talented of players. But you know what? He did what it took to to win. And, you know, you you wouldn't get a better teammate and a guy who'd go out there and, and drop the gloves at the drop of a hat to look after, you know, his teammates. And, you know, he took on all comers and, uh, you know, he's had some great tilts over the years. Um, you know, he, he had some really good rivalries uh, with the likes of uh, Brett Cloutier, who was, you know, a, a tough guy. He's on my uh, honourable mentions list is uh, Brett Cloutier. You know, he fought guys like Ryan Schmier, um, you know, and he, he really took on all comers and he was an entertaining fighter. You know, there's no defence there. He was wide yeah. open and, uh, you know, he, he threw with bad intentions and, uh, yeah, and, uh, he was a, a great guy and uh, off the ice he was a gentleman, as are, you know, all tough guys really. But no, he's my uh, my number five, and strangely now he's uh, he's a primary school teacher, so like an elementary school teacher, I guess, um, yep. which is a, a strange career for a, a tough guy to go into. But um, you know, I can't say that because I'm a, I'm a teacher as well. But um, but yeah, he's uh, yeah he he was tough. He he could have been higher up the ladder, but with some of the other caliber of guys who were over here, uh, yeah, that's where Corny finds himself. But no, a pleasure to watch over the years. Absolutely, yeah, Cornish is great, and uh, for those listening, yeah, definitely go to YouTube, Jeremy Cornish, go down that rabbit hole, you won't be, inter- you won't be uh, disappointed, um, great guest too, I had him on the show, and uh, looking to have him back on the show, we're going to do his five toughest opponents, he, we're, I'm going to get him on here in the next couple of weeks, he's coming back on, and uh, but, uh, yeah, he was a great interview, I think we talked for almost three hours in his interview, and yeah, he tells 
the whole story in Sheffield and what happened there and all that stuff. He, we go into, mm-hmm. he goes into that, but, uh, yeah, there's lots of, uh, for the UK fans that are listening, if you haven't listened to my Cornish interview, definitely check it out. Lots of UK talk and he, uh, he doesn't hold back. He tells a few stories and, uh, yeah, no, he's a good dude for sure. Yeah. And I know he'll be listening. So yeah, we'll definitely, yeah. Corny's great. All right. Number four. Number four is Scott Allison. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So uh, he was obviously quite a, a talented player as well. Um, yep. So he he racked up like a point a game over here in the UK, and it was an interesting one because he was he was like a, a, a first round draft pick in the um, 1990 draft for the Edmonton Oilers, but he is considered like one of the biggest draft busts uh in in nhl history essentially so he probably got a couple of scouts fired and um you know he had a breakout season with moose jaw where he put up uh over a point a game 82 points in 72 games and 238 pims so he, he kind of really proved himself as a power forward yep. but then obviously didn't really deliver it at the nhl or even ahl level for that matter then he you know he kind of bounced around uh in the minors in the u.s before coming to the uk and Joined the Steelers in '97. Uh, we had, you know, five seasons of of Scott Allison. He briefly left for a season in Germany in the DEL, and then he came back to Sheffield. Then he had a season in Nottingham and Bracknell. But another guy who, you know, loved to fight. He loved doing what he he did, or he seemed to. Um, and he had some really good tilts over the years uh, with the likes of uh, Scott Campbell, Paxton Schulte. Corey Spring and obviously was heavily involved in the uh, bench clearing brawl, the famous one in Nottingham where, you know, he was involved with Nikar and, uh, yeah, and obviously Vial was heavily involved in that too. And, um, but no, Scott Allison, he, he was a guy who, you know, did a great job. He, he could put up a, a ton of points, but at the same time, you know, he'd happily go out there and drop the gloves a couple of times a game as well. And, uh, one entertaining fighter. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, of course, being a little Western guy in Saskatchewan here, I, I remember him playing for the Moose Jaw Warriors and coming to Saskatoon here. And yeah, big dude. And, um, yeah, I think it was one of those things. Uh, who was I talking to? I had a player on it. Was it Frank Kovacs? Might have been Frank Kovacs I had on because he played against Scott Allison and stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and he said he, he kind of, and because he, he played against him in the American League too. And he said, I think he said with Scott, with his, what his problem was, is I think he just got stuck in between. Like, he didn't know what to do when he turned pro. Like, do I concentrate on trying to score or do I concentrate on fighting? You know, you're kind of, and, you know, it was the early 90s, and I think they kind of wanted him more as the enforcer. And, you know, when you're coming from a 30, like you said, an 82-point season, and you're kind of like, I'm a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fight so much. I want to maybe score more, and you're not really. And he goes, and then he, of course, and, and then he goes, and then he sort of just gets stuck not really doing either. Like, you know what I mean? You're yeah. sort of scoring, and you're kind of fighting, but you're not. Do one or the other, kind of, especially in pro. Like you said, you, you really sort of start getting your roles defined. And uh, and he just couldn't seem to, you know, just get on track. That was, that was I, I, I don't, maybe I shouldn't say it was Kovac. I think it was, but I can't remember. But it was like, mm-hmm. that was their theory anyway. But, uh, but nonetheless, like you said, as he got over to the UK, um, yeah, solid player for the Steelers too, right? Like, you know, uh, double digits and goals and points and... Uh, you know, as well as obviously the fighting. So, yeah, Scott Allison, there you go. Good. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, one one hell of an entertaining player, and uh, yeah, many many happy memories over the years. And then he went and joined the rivals down the road in Nottingham, which uh, which didn't uh, sit too well in uh, many Steelers fans' minds. But no, that happens though. That's hockey for you sometimes, though, eh? Yeah, absolutely. 
Right, number three. It is um, the cruise missile, Paul Cruise. There you go. That is a uh, bad dude, man. Oh yeah, he uh, yeah he's another one. I mean, if you look at his pedigree, you know he had like ten seasons in the NHL. He was with Calgary for six seasons, playing regular minutes, fighting regularly. Then he had a couple of years in, um, I think, with the Islanders, and then in Buffalo. Um, and then obviously a, a little stint in San Jose before he came to the UK. And it's a shame we only got to see one season of him in Sheffield. Um, but he was he was great. Yeah, he put he put up like 28 points in, in 44 games and 152 pims. And you know he was you know a great leader on the ice. He was a like a, a feared warrior. He probably didn't drop the gloves as much as he had to because. I think his reputation preceded him and uh, guys knew that he was tough and they didn't want to poke the bear too much with Paul Cruz. And when you've played that long in the show and you've got the names on, on you know, on the um, on the fight card who he had, you know, some of the guys he'd fought in the NHL, like legit guys like Troy Crowder and, and people like that um, and Donald Brashear and, and people, he didn't need to fight as much as he, uh, as he could have done really. But, Paul Cruz, he, he was great, and, and then he went to uh, Belfast, and he was part of the Bruce Brothers with Paxton and Schulte, and those two guys who, who went over to you know and played in Belfast, that was the early days of, of the Belfast Giants, and they really put Belfast you know on the map locally and and put bums on seats with the style that they played, and particularly Paxton and Schulte, he was obviously a legend in Belfast, and, and what he did you know not only on the ice but off the ice in the community to with the fan engagement and everything, you know, he was a massive part of their success and so was Paul Cruz. But my only regret is not seeing more of him in the UK because he was, he was tough. And, but while he was here, it was a pleasure to watch him play. Yeah, I know I'm a huge Paul Cruz fan. I think for a lot of, a lot of fight fans, I think he, he flies under the radar and, mm. uh, you know, if you go again, another guy, go on YouTube folks and type in Paul Cruz, you certainly will not be disappointed. Another guy wide open and would, and could mm. hit and, uh, Fun little thing. I remember talking to Mel Engelstad, and of course, you know when you talk about Mel Engelstad, there's a guy that fought everybody. And, oh yeah. Uh, and I remember asking him, I'm like, just I just out of curiosity, who hit you the hardest? And right away, without hesitation, he said Paul Cruz. He oh said, wow. Paul Cruz hit me so hard in Chicago one night when I when he was playing for the Wolves. He's like, I thought he spun my head right around. And uh, and like I said, Mel man, and Mel's been punched by a lot of people. So for uh, that covers a lot of ground to say Paul Cruz hitching the hardest saying something. So, but yeah, he, oh. yeah, and that fight, yeah, the Manitoba, the IHL fight when Cruz is in Chicago and Mel is in Minnesota or uh, Manitoba is on uh, YouTube, folks. Check that out, and you'll see what I'm talking about. They hammer each other, and uh, it's a vicious fight. And uh, but yeah, Paul Cruz, tremendous. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, and uh, like you say, a great compliment for um, yeah for Anglestad to say he was the toughest guy or, or the hardest puncher, and because yeah. like you say, you can tell you can tell from Mel's nose that he took a fair few punches. It's pointing east when it should be pointing west, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, he's uh, yeah he was a tough one, but yeah, number two, Mike Ware. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yep. So Mike Ware, he was. Um, a guy who I loved to hate as a kid, um, you know, when he was in Cardiff, um, he was, you know, the, the pantomime villain and, um, yeah, no one, no one really liked him, uh, when he went to Cardiff and, you know, but he was, he was ridiculously tough and, 
he he commanded that respect out on the ice and he made so much room for himself. But the thing is we might wear, and quite a few people have mentioned this over the years, when that switch flicked, you know, it, it was like his eyes glazed over and he was uh, yeah, you couldn't hold him back and the amount of kind of brawls and, and you watch on YouTube you see the the linos like the linesman trying to like hang on his back and pull him away from people and it was like a silverback gorilla and you know he, he could have four four officials clinging to him and uh you know, he'd still managed to wrestle free and absolutely beat the wheels off someone. And, yeah, he came to the UK, um, obviously played a little bit in the show with Edmonton. And yep. uh, he had a good rivalry over there with Denny Vial. And, um, yeah, and then that kind of continued when he came to the UK. Um, and those two guys renewed their rivalry. And, you know, he came initially to Murrayfield in Scotland, who then became the Edinburgh Racers. And uh, he made a name for himself up there, and he played with his brother Greg Ware, who you know could throw him, but he obviously wasn't as tough and didn't have that nasty streak. And then he uh, he had a few seasons, a couple of seasons in Cardiff, where he wore the C. And I think that season when he had the C on his chest, it kind of calmed him down a little bit, so he didn't fight as much. And uh, which tends to happen as well, you know, you get a letter put on your chest, and, and guys seem to not want to fight as much. And uh, yeah, and then he, he kind of went over, he came to Sheffield, and we only had him for a season, but, you know, he had a big impact whilst he was there, and, and once again, one of these people who didn't need to fight that much because they didn't have many dancing partners, and a bit like uh, a Paul Ferone, you know, Ferone, just, he, he didn't have to fight too much, but he was so tough, and, and probably pound for pound the toughest guy I've seen in the UK, Ferone. I've kind of gone off script here, but um, but no, but he, he played in London for a couple of seasons, then Cardiff again, and but no, he, he fought everybody and his his kind of rap sheet and his uh, opponents list. I mean, you look at some of the guys, like you say, he's fought obviously Vial, uh, Paxton Schulte again. Um, and then, you know, he, he kind of beat the wheels off some people who, who chirped him. I remember CEO telling a story about Brendan Urema was doing the old, uh, the old uh, can't skate sort of motion towards him and he got round the other way the linesman and uh, absolutely uh, beat the snap out of your aimer and uh, yeah he was he was certainly a tough player and um, yeah seeing some of those vicious KOs he, he kind of put on people and on Vial as well it's uh, yeah he was one hell of a, a tough guy and uh, a very scary guy when, when he kind of let loose absolutely yeah big dude and uh, actually it's funny his uh, his son is uh, playing for my friend. My friend coaches a junior A team in Ontario, and Mike wears kids on his team. Yeah, and his, oh wow! And his kids about six foot six, and about <laughs> at two forty, and just massive. And, and he's a pretty physical <laughs> kid too. He kind of likes the rough stuff, so and he likes watching nice. his dad's old fights. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So there might be another wear coming along here at some point. But uh, uh, well, here's the here it is the moment of truth. Number mm. one, number one, so number one Steeler. It was a tough one. It was a tough one. But number one, I've got to go with a guy who uh, who I absolutely loved in Sheffield. And I mentioned him briefly before. And that goes to Dancing Bear, Dennis Fial. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Denny, you know, he obviously had a big reputation. Um, played a lot of seasons in the show. Fought all the guys over there. I mean, you look at his fights with the likes of Ty Domi. Um, and I remember reading Stu Grimson's biography a couple of years ago. And Denny Vial were the first person to break Stu Grimson's nose. And I believe the only person who broke Grimson's nose. And he said he hit him so hard 
with a punch and uh yeah he broke grimson's nose and that's a pretty cool thing to uh to accomplish as well and because uh, we all know how tough grimson was the grim reaper but no um yeah vial obviously you know he played in new york detroit ottawa who he spent quite a few seasons with and he was a big name over there and he still plays in a lot of their alumni games and things and he was really well thought of before he came to the uk and then he had two seasons in Sheffield. Um, he was a, the captain in the second season uh, where the Steelers won the Grand Slam and uh, they had a few ownership issues, should, shall we say, and uh, you know players weren't being paid and, and there was all sorts of crazy stuff going off. And uh, So I think that the kind of the stress took its toll on him um, when he captained Sheffield. So we probably didn't see the best of him in a sense. But yeah, he was so tough and, and funnily enough, he lived around the corner from where I lived. And he used to, I used to see him walking around in the village and he had a big, big like husky dog. And, um, yeah, he'd always stop for a chat and be happy to say hello. And, um, yeah, but some of the fights he had obviously was heavily involved in, in that infamous bench clearance in Nottingham. Um, and the rivalry he had with, uh, you know, Barry Nykar. Um, but, you know, you look at some of his fights, he had lots of great fights with like guys like Louis Bedard, obviously Mike Ware. Um, then he fought guys like Doug Dool as well. He made pretty short work of Doug Dool, who's you know a pretty tough guy. Um, but no, Dennis, one of the nicest guys you'll meet on the uh, off the ice, and um, yeah, I still talk to him a little bit to this day as well. And uh, yeah, just a great guy. And, and one sad story: I, he had the uh, the hockey fight tape in Sheffield. And uh, they sold it in the shop, like opposite the rink. And I remember buying it, and I, I loved the tape. And uh, we got a new next door neighbour um, who was around similar age to me at the time, so probably about twelve or thirteen or, or whatever I would have been then. And this this uh, this ladder, I said, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll let you borrow my uh, Dennis Fial fight tape." And because uh, he said he'd never seen hockey before, so I'm like, "Right, okay, that will change. I'll I'll try and get you into it. You can watch a few fights, and you'll be a fan." And uh, he ended up taping over my bloody Vial tape by accident. And so, like, half of it's got, like, a stupid soap on called Coronation Street. And honestly, I could have cried. I was so, so pissed off with this kid from next door. I didn't talk to him for about two months. And, uh, yeah, because he taped over my, my Vial fight tape. So I was so pissed off. But, but no, Vial, what a great guy. Um, and, yeah, definitely one of the toughest to, to do it over here in the UK during, you know, the ultimate era the tough guys coming over really no absolutely and like and like you said nh just the nhl pedigree it's just so tough and i'm a massive dennis vl fan and like you said wide open and there is no wrestling in a dennis vl fight so um no. yeah man I, I could definitely going through your list i could definitely see why you got him at number one yeah he was uh dennis vl was awesome yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was so tough though coming up with this list because there could have been a lot of a lot oh, of yeah. other guys. And uh, I, I mentioned well, a lot of the guys on this list are, are more older guys from sort of the mid nineties to um, the late two thousands. You know, Cornish been the the more later one. But you know, you look at some of the names who've come through Sheffield. You've got the likes of uh, Zach the Hack Fitzgerald, who yeah. you know is one of my, one of my favourite players. In, you know, I, I wanted to fit him on that list, but he just just missed out. And obviously, you got like guys like uh, Brett Cloutier, uh, Frank Kovacs, who you mentioned. Yep. You know, there's been lots of tough guys who've who've come over and uh, who did a great job. And uh, yeah, it'd be remiss of me to not mention those guys and give them a little bit of a shout out too. No, absolutely. Well, that was, that that was a great list, and uh, I know. Um, 
uh, I was just telling Searson, he was just like, because I'm, I'm getting ready to record with him after this, and I said, well, I've just got Scott on right now, and he's like, well, Scott's been around, he knows his shit, so, um, yeah, I will definitely, I like I, I told you at the start here, I hate to cut it off with the with the segment times, but I'll definitely uh, like to get you back on, and, uh, you know, and uh, we, could, we could go into uh, Sheffield uh, history a little further, or at least into your... Uh, uh, UK experience a little more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it'd be my pleasure, and uh, it's been great being on here today. And uh, no, I look forward to coming back on in the future. I'd, I'd definitely welcome that, and uh, I'd love to. So, thank you. Oh, excellent, Matt. I really appreciate you coming on today. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Darren. And uh, no, I look forward to listening to uh, to more episodes. It's been a, a big staple in my life, and. Uh, yeah, no, it's my go-to podcast for, uh, for hockey fights, so uh, no, thank you, my friend. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Like I said, uh, the, the support over in the UK has been been great, so uh, no, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Thank you, Darren. All right, here we are in episode 200. Oh, the returning guest. It's over. He's like a bad penny. He just keeps turning up, folks, I'm telling you. Back on the line from out in the UK, Nottingham, John Searson. Searson, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Hey, excellent, man. It's like long time no talk. Didn't we just do yeah. a whole season series episode? Just seems. Yeah, like that's it. it. Yeah, I, I I killed your episode two weeks ago, so let's do it again. Well, I was gonna say you you booming ratings. <laughs> I'm I was I was uh, number six in the UK. Your episode, you uh, you brought in your ratings gold. <laughs> I try. Yep, I said there's a there's a lot of people over in the UK with a lack of taste. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but well, it's like a car crash; they just can't turn away. That's exactly, why that's exactly. Well, we uh, so you're from Not- Nottingham, so Panthers. Here we go. And I, I was telling you, well, last night in recording, I had Scott out in Sheffield, and he was he was laying down the toughest Sheffield guys. And of course, the big you know Sheffield Nottingham rivalry. So we're now I'm going to get you on, and we'll talk about the five toughest Nottingham guys. Although you're kind of with an asterisk, kind of saying it's kind of your favorites, maybe not necessarily in order of toughness, but um, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're they're all they're all heavyweights, but they're kind of my favorites. Um, ex- uh, just just to make I think just to make it more interesting because I, I, I've always loved the minor leagues to so keep it more interesting. I've uh, I've excluded like Gimma Grattans and you Janssens. Um, so I'm just keeping it to, uh, to go, well, one of the guys, he, he, he had a good stint in the NHL, but, uh, but no, these are guys who bounced around the minors a lot and then ended up over here. So, uh, all right, well, here we go. I'm interested to hearing this. All right, let's, let's have at her here. What's, uh, what's number, we'll go from five to one here. What's five? The number five, we've got Brent Henley. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It was here in, uh, 2013, 2014 season. Made an impact, played played twenty six games, and he had two hundred and nineteen pims. Love it. So yeah, for uh, for Tim Spencer, uh, Brad Plumpton, Chris Frank, and Kevin Harvey. Uh, the reason I like Henley, he was his, Henley was ruthless. He was old school. Uh, yeah, he he jumped a bunch of guys when he was here. If he had a point to prove, he didn't give a shit. If he thought he had a if he if he thought he had a point to prove, he'd do it. That's what I loved about him. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. I, yeah, 
Well, yeah, so if we keep, if we keep this quick, let's go to number four. Yeah. And, uh, number four, I've got Clayton Norris. There you go. There you go. Chuck Norris. Yeah, he, he was here uh, 2001 to 2002 season. Just just a bad, bad dude. No-nonsense D-man. Mean. Horrible to play against. Uh, he played 41 games in nine, had 165 pims. Uh, for Jason Bowen, Paxton Schulte, Cam Bristow, uh, Terrence Samwith. Uh, yeah, just awesome. Just he, he, he's the kind of player I miss in the modern game. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. Like you said, he played defense because he was a forward his whole career until yeah. until I guess he got over there. That's an interesting why they would make him switch. Did they ever? Did he ever say, or did they say why they moved him to defense? No, no. I mean, his first year here, he was in Newcastle, and um, but yeah, no, he was always just came over as a D man. So I don't know. Did, uh, did he play D for Orlando in the IHL? I know he was in Orlando before he came over here. Yeah, I have no idea. Like, I always just... Like, my recollection of him, obviously, is from Junior in Medicine Hat, and he was always a forward. So, and yeah. I'm assuming, obviously, he played in Hershey as a forward and stuff. But after that, may, I don't know, maybe halfway through his career, he moved to D. I'd, I've never looked into it that far, that, like, in St. John's or in Orlando, if he played D or not. I don't know. But he was... Well, he was very... He was, very, he was a very effective D-man when he was here. So, uh, it was... If it fits, that's okay. Like, like I said to you before, over here every year uh, back then, the teams you would always you'd your big name tough guy would always be a forward, but you would always have a tough D man too. So uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think who would have been there the other the years before. I mean, yeah. Well, when we had Norris in Nottingham, there was Norris in Nykar. and uh, well, and you have Frank Evans too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. That's that's a tough team when you think there. Byron Nykar, Clay Norris, and Frank Evans. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, you don't want to come and play fuck around with those guys. No, absolutely not. Oh. So, uh, uh, well, well yeah. number three. Number three, I've got Dirty Wood. <laughs> I was actually, just before we got going, I was, what What was I doing? I was playing some DVD. Oh, that Seattle one that you sent me. I was watching that, uh, some Dirty Wood on there. Yeah, that Seattle DVD, I remember I've, I've had that a long time. and I, I think I got that because there's a Jared Zakuski fight on there. And if I remember right, I think he fights Darcy Simon. D- doesn't end well for Jarrett, but, uh You know, Darcy Simon was a bad dude, man. Yeah. 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 But that's yeah, those Seattle DVDs are awesome. We're going completely off track here for people. Yeah, yes, yeah. But yeah, yeah. but Dodie Wood, yeah, he was awesome in Seattle that year. Yeah. Yeah, oh no, Dodie Wood was awesome when he was in Nottingham. He was here in 0203. Just just one year, played 43 games, had 203 pims. Um, yeah, loved to fight. He, he was, yeah, he was one of these guys. He was ready to fight every game. Um, just thinking off the top of my head, his fight card. He fought Scott Levins in Sheffield. He fought Paul Cruz twice. Um, both, both the fights against Paul Cruz are great fights as well. Remember the one in Nottingham round one, they go... They kind of line up for the face off and just having a little little bit of a battle with each other, just like hooking and pushing, and they both just look at each other and drop him and go. That's a great tilt. Uh, he had a for Dion Darling in Sheffield. It was um, not 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 a big action fight. Uh, and then he fought a guy called Ryan Kuabara in Belfast. Uh, Kuabara was an underrated tough guy. Uh, Saying underrated tough guy, he wasn't he wasn't known to fight, but whenever he did fight, he never looked bad doing it. I think I actually had pictures of that fight, and I was just like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's it. It's like he, he he didn't have a reputation for fighting. I know he fought a guy called Nate Leslie, who was a Brit kid, and uh, 
he broke Nate Leslie's nose bad in that fight. And then, yeah, his second one, he fought Dodie Wood. And he, he, he really did not look out of place with Dodie. Hung in there and just went, just went at him. So, yeah, a very, very even fight. There was no, no winner there. No winner or no loser. But, uh, yeah, he didn't, didn't look out of place. Huh. Well, there we go. Dodie Wood. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dodie Wood. He was awesome. I don't know how anybody could not like Dodie Wood. Absolutely. Exactly. Hmm. Number two, I've got Ryan Schmier. There you go. Uh, he was in Nottingham from 2006 to 2008. Played 105 games. They had 466 penalty minutes. Uh, I've said it before. If you look into what an enforcer is to a T, Ryan Schmier was that guy. He was so protective. If you went, if you, if if Nottingham went down two goals, you could you could bet your house the next the next face off Ryan Schmier is going to fight somebody, and uh, yeah, he fought everybody and anybody who was tough in the league that those two years. Uh, had a good rivalry with Corny when Corny was in Sheffield. Uh, he had a good rivalry with Payet when Payet was in Newcastle, but I think everybody had a rivalry with Payet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, fought Ruben Endor a couple of times. Uh, yeah, li- literally. Any 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 tough guy in the league at that point, Schmier for them. Voff, Voff. He didn't like Voff. Um, yeah, he had a good rivalry with Voff. But yeah, just just to a T, he was everything you'd want your tough guy to be. He knew he knew his role, knew his role perfectly. And I said before, the strange thing with Schmier, if you try to talk to him about fights, it's it's like he didn't like the role. He won't talk fights with you. He always plays it down as it's not important. But. Huh. Uh, which was, I remember the second year he was in Nottingham, the, we basically signed nobody apart from Ryan Schmier. The team was so soft, and then you had Schmier. And I think it was the first six games of the year, he, his first shift, he fought somebody. And uh, there's a few fans, oh, Schmier's had another pointless fight. And it's just like, well, you don't fucking get it. It's not pointless. He's making a statement here. He's saying this team is not going to get pushed around. He knows. He knows the team is on. He knows they're soft, and he knows other other people are going to look at them as soft. So yeah, he's he's doing his job there and showing he's there to do that. You're not going to take advantage. No, absolutely. And, and like you said, did did it at every level and or at every in every league. And yeah, I wish there was more footage of him out there. Yeah, there's there's nothing. I mean, he he played in the Western Pro League as well, didn't he? At uh, the start of his career. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Guys bounced around everywhere. Yeah, and like the West, that West Coast, West Pro stuff, Western Pro stuff, it's just not really out there. And then, I mean, the Johnstown stuff is, but then even the Central, that 2003 to 2006, he's in Rio Grande, and it's just like, not really, there's just not a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, and then, of no. course, he was, and he was a Junior A guy, he played in the Alberta Junior League, so that, I mean, that footage isn't out there, obviously. So, yeah, there's like some really, yeah, there just isn't really anything out there to look at. And he's a I'm massive to... dude. Like, yeah, he was like six five. You know, you you forget how big he actually was. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. He was there. Uh, was he was he in Calgary camp? He was in camp with someone. I remember he fought Mike Scroy in camp. Yeah, yeah, and he was in. Yeah, and he played that. That was the year. Yeah, he played in uh, St. John's for 21 games in the AHL with the with the Flames, and then he finished the year out in uh, in Johnstown because the Johnstown was the Calgary's East Coast team. So. Yeah, for O two O three, yeah. So I mean, some of that stuff's around, but uh, and the Rod and he was in Rochester the year before. Some of that's around too, but other than yeah. that, like all his other stuff is like no, 
Nothing. No. Anyway, it takes us to number one. There we go. And, uh, he's always a big favourite of mine, and I think I'd get lynched in Nottingham if I didn't pick him as the number one. But I've got to say, Barry Nygaard. Yeah. Here, for, here from 2000 to 2003. Played 133 games, and he had 671 penalty minutes. Just a, just a ruthless guy. Ruthless. Never, never, never the best fighter, but he'd fight anybody. And, uh, yeah, just entertaining. Dirty as shit. Everything the game's now missing. I'm, I'm assuming you obviously had interactions with him. Yeah, I spoke to him a few times. Like I told you before, the guys, uh, they, they used to get fight teams off me back then. They used to watch them on the uh, on the team coach to, to road games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you see, I speak to a few of the guys then. But, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, just, yeah, boy, he's a, he was a big, tough farm boy. Uh, he's, he's from your neck of the woods. Yes, he is. Yeah. Saskatchewan guy. Yeah. Another guy, he's, he, he bounced around everywhere. And some of the, some of the penalty minute totals he racked up was insane. Yeah, he almost had that 500-minute season in St. John's in the American League. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the St. John's footage is out there from that year. So you're, yeah. pl- you're, cause it's him and Rocky, right? So it's like, yeah, you're playing it. It's just like every second fight's night card. It's just like, Jesus, how many fights did this guy have? Like, that's, that's a fucking tag team, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Rocky. That's a tag team. Yeah. Imagine you're going to St. John's every night. Yeah. And you got Rocky and night car there. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You try and keep your head down not to fight Rocky. Then night car elbows you out of nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, man, just, but yeah, like you said, some of that, uh, after we were done talking there, I was kind of watching on Paul's channel there, some of the night car stuff, and yeah, like, yeah, he's mean, man, just mean. Oh, yeah, 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 no, no, nothing, nothing was off limits for them. If he, if, he, if he thought he had a point to prove, he'd try and hurt you. Yeah, well. And he, and he wouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah, like, that's just. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I, I I couldn't even imagine a guy like that play. Well, he wouldn't be playing now. They'd ban him within like three games. Yeah. Well, I I think he'd retire if he has to come up against Jay Beagle. I don't think he'd. Uh, I don't think he'd want that one. Well, you don't want to mess with Jay Beagle. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Conqueror of man, right there. Yeah. At least that's what hockey Twitter tells me. Yeah. So you say he had Scott on last night in his uh, top five Steelers. As soon as he heard Nykar at number one, he threw his cup of tea at the wall. Exactly. Yeah, he's had enough. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> fucking CEO in his Nykar. I was waiting for you to drop Zakuski in there somehow, but... Well, I, I, I would, I, well we, we got into him with Seattle. I had, to, I had to drop him in there somewhere. Well, there you go, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're looking, you're getting for an episode. I'm not ranting about Zakuski and Eric Levine. So... Yeah. Eric, well, see, folks, this is what you get with the podcast. How many podcasts out there are talking about Jared Sakuski and Eric Levine? There you go. <laughs> Only the number six ranked show in the UK will bring you such action. <laughs> and I guarantee you now, any fight fan, if your team had Eric Levine or Jared Sakuski, you'd fucking love them. It's, yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, yeah, well, and there you go, folks, from the Nottingham fan himself, we got to... And then you have the chef here. I'm going to put, when I edit this episode, I'm going to put it up, put you guys back to back here. So the UK fans can, can bicker back and forth over, <laughs> over Sheffield and Nottingham. But, uh, 
Oh, right. any UK any UK fan that's not from Nottingham is fucking irate that I put Barry Nygaard at number one. Every oh. single one. Oh, I would oh, say that, that guy would be public enemy number one. About that. Like I'm, I'm like he's like public enemy number one over there. Oh yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Stuff he did twenty years ago, they've still never forgave him. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when you made an impact. Where people are still motherfucking you twenty years later. Yeah. That's what I think a little, a little cool Nikar story uh, when, when he was here. Uh, the pandas uh, they, they they had some some kind of thing going with the uh, guide dogs for the blind. So it was a charity that uh, trained the guide dogs, and uh, the first one that they the, the first guide dog they trained and, uh, and and made it through. They they named the guide dog Nikes. There you go. He's, uh, well, like you said, right? He's a folk hero in Nottingham and public enemy yep. number one everywhere else. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, that's what. That's how you get to the number one status. There you go. So, well, man, hey, I, I want to thank you for uh, for taking the time to come on. I know every time I've, uh, you know, I've, I've put the call in to Nottingham, you've, uh, you've answered. Uh, I kept you up super late last night. And we decided after all it was said and done, we didn't even record. <laughs> Like I said before, it's always, it's always fun when we talk. It's always fun when we talk, and uh, I'm I'm happy to talk fights all night. So yeah, it's not a problem. I always enjoy. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. No problem. All right, here we are, uh, episode two hundred. My next guest, Patrick. Patrick, how's it going tonight? Derek, how you doing, man? Very good, very good. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, come on tonight, and uh, well, thank you for having me. Well, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk your well. People always, I always say on this show, people like lists, and I've done many episodes with lists of different things. Yeah. And uh, well, I know I've done the list from whatever the Bleacher Report list of the of the Philadelphia Flyers, but today tonight we're gonna get your list. We're gonna get Patrick's list of the top ten right. enforcers in Flyer history. Uh, well, you, you told me before we got going, obviously that you're a lifelong flyer fan. When did, uh, when did the fandom begin for you? Um, I would have to say the fandom began for me. Um, I'm 42. So just to show my age, um, I would have to say probably when Lindros came to Philadelphia. Okay. Um, I was about 11 years old and you know, you see this, this, what was he 18, 19 when he came in, in and yeah. I was like, holy shit. Like yeah. this guy could had power. He had skills. I mean, he was the complete package. And we like, I was like, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, you know, he, he's, he's just roll. He's, he's a kid and he's just dropping grown ass men. Like it's going out of fucking style. This was awesome. Like I, I was lucky enough. Um, to see him play at the old, the old barn, uh, Philadelphia Spectrum, um, before it uh, closed shop, and then he went across the street to um, what is now known as the Wells Fargo Center. Yep. And I still, still to this day, um, the Philadelphia Spectrum was my favorite place to ever see a hockey game, and I, I mean, it was just. I, I, it was it was just something special about it. Did you go to any? Did you go to I, I, I love that house. too. Yes, I I did have the. Uh, it's actually kind of funny. My uncle 
um, got a job working part-time for the AHL. He was the um, penalty box attendant. Uh-huh. So, it, so he got a couple games. Yeah. Oh, oh, trust me, man. Um, Bio Lewis, uh, I got to meet him. Uh, I think I was like 14 I met him. And then years later, um, I I saw him in in the area I lived in. And I brought him up and I was like, do you know my uncle so-and-so? And he was like, yeah. I was like, you met me. That was my uncle. It was like, oh, shit. Like, so cool guy. I, I got to meet him and, and I saw a lot of, a lot of good games and, you know, just old time beat the, sh- you come into our house and you think you're going to win. Well, you might win, but we're going to beat the fucking shit out of you. Yeah. And send him back. So it's good times. Oh, absolutely. Well, like we said, we're uh, the top 10 flyer fighters. And wow. And that, you know, with that organization of the flyers, that covers a lot of ground. So, uh, you know, it'll. I'm, I'm looking forward to this list. How are we going to do this? Want to go down ten to one here? We'll do it that um, way. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm going to go from ten and work and work our. You know, go from ten and work our way all okay. the way up to number one. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's hit. Let's hear it. What's number ten? Okay, so number ten. Um, I'm going like my fandom. Like I said, for the Flyers was mostly from the '90s and up. Yeah, up up to cur- currently, but uh, I did put in some uh, old school guys. I thank God for the internet and YouTube. So number ten for me was um, Todd the Fridge Fedoric. There you go. So here, just to give you guys a little little thing about uh, uh, Fedoric, this guy was like six three, two hundred thirty two pounds, and he he did five seasons in Philadelphia. So, which roughly came out to about 268 games, uh, got about 575 penalty minutes. So he was averaging about 100 penalty minutes for four years. Um, He's mostly known, uh, there's two things he's known. Um, One was this really famous fight against uh, Eric Carnes. He won the fight, but the dude broke his goddamn damn orbital bone during the scrap. Um, Fedoric um, then got traded to um, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, he bounced around. He uh, actually played, from what I remember, He there was an uh, EACHL team in Jersey called the Trenton Titans, and he played there for about a year or two. Um, unfortunately, Fedoric, uh, we found out a couple of years after he played he had a really bad alcohol problem he he was able to get under control and beat the demons and you know he's he does a lot of stuff with the, uh, the philadelphia flyers alumni association from what i uh see i haven't met the guy uh but i hear he's a pretty good guy and it's just really good to see a guy like that able um to beat a, a problem like alcoholism and all this stuff because I mean we all hear about CTE and and so forth guys who literally were popping pills just to fall asleep and so forth and he's you know a productive member of society. No, absolutely, yeah. In the fridge, yeah. I obviously, I've watched him here in the Western Hockey League, and uh, 
Yeah. What watched his his climb from you know from like you said from Trenton up to the Phantoms to the Flyers and uh, yeah right. you know, I know that first year there is uh, you know in the we're at number fifty two and uh, you know all of a sudden we're like who is this kid and he's taking on Rob Ray and stuff and uh, and doing yeah. really well and um, yeah no I'm a big fan of the fridge no good pick good pick number ten thank fridge. you there you go yes Fridgey all right so going on from number ten we go. Uh, number nine, this guy really didn't um, last that long in a, a Flyers uniform, but um, coming in at six foot five, two hundred and thirty-three uh, pounds, he was a part of the Dan line uh, with Daniel Lacrox and Scott Daniels. They weren't like the sexy line. Um, he only did uh, two years. Two full seasons in the um, NHL had uh, 210 penalty minutes in both of them, finished career with 587 penalty minutes and 197 games. The one and only Dan Kordick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, another Western leaguer. Of course, the younger brother of uh, infamous John Kordick. And, uh, yeah, there's another guy. Yeah, watched him play Medicine Hat and, uh, yeah, develop. And, uh, yeah, it's you know, his career wasn't that long, but, uh, yeah, he definitely had some memorable fights in Philly for sure. You know, with, uh, Band and Bush and of course, Brendan Witt and, uh, yeah, Dan Kordick, man. I, I'm down with Dan Kordick. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, um, go from number nine to number eight. Now, um, this was a little before my time. Um, uh, my dad who, uh, had seen, uh, the Flyers, um, during the cup years, um, into the seventies, eighties. And then, you know, I, I was born and so forth. Um, this guy, uh, Mel Bridgman, seven years with the flyers. Um, and I kind of feel for this guy because you're talking about a guy who was tough and had leadership qualities and he took over for Clarkie when he stepped down in 79. So um, Bridgman had 462 uh, games with the Flyers, accumulated 971 penalty minutes. And you got to understand um, for this, this is a guy when he, he took over for Clarkie, he was on that team that was on the 35 game unbeaten un beating streak, 25 wins, zero losses, 10 ties, uh, went to the, went to that 1980 final. And this guy had five straight years of 100 plus minutes in the penalty box. So, I mean, for a guy to, to kind of come in and take over for a legend like Clark and, you know, uh, I always like kind of guys who led by example and he led by example. I mean, you know, yeah, man, can't oh, beat that. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, to, to take over for Clark was such an icon in Philly and, you know, and it, and it had that pressure. Not only that, and he's the first overall pick in the draft and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but he's a great player. Uh, you know, so yeah, he's like, the only, he is the only guy, um, the Philadelphia Flyers ever had the number one overall draft choice. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. He, 
the way that uh, that whole worked out was when Fred Shero, quote unquote, quit the Flyers and then went to the New York Rangers, but he was still under contract. And then the NHL was like, uh, that's tampering. You can't do that. You got to compensate. So, yeah, little little uh, trivia there. There you go. But yeah, Bridgman, yeah, kind of a, you know, kind of a smaller guy, but yeah, he could throw down and, uh, yeah, I've seen some, you know, the old, uh, some old line brawls with Bridgman for sure. And, uh, you know, part of those late, uh, late seventies, early eighties, uh, flyer yeah. teams. And, uh, yeah, no, Mel was a tough dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Number six or number, I'm sorry, not number six, number seven, I'm going to reject in here is, um, guy comes in at six foot three. 240 pounds, spent four years with the Flyers, 648 penalty minutes, and he he didn't fuck around. And I actually was at this game on March 5th, 2004, with my father. The infamous brawl against the Ottawa Senators, the one and only Donald Brashear. Yep. And uh, I I was at that game, and holy shit, man! It was like WrestleMania on Mike. I loved it. Is that when he fought Ray? Yes. Yeah. That's always weird to see Rob Ray in an Ottawa Senator uniform. That's always kind of strange. But... Yeah, I I was like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. Because like, I I mean, like I said, going back to when I was my fandom with um, Lindros. Those uh, early playoff battles against Buffalo, yeah, and then uh, so forth, yeah. But yeah, Brashear, like, oh. yeah, he, um, you know, I know Brashear always, you know, he catches a lot of shit from people, and he's very polarizing right. in, in terms of the fight boards and the enforcer groups. It has been since way back in the message board days when I first got on the internet. I mean, you know, uh, people have their opinion either, you know. Like or there seems to be no middle ground. It's always a like or a dislike, love or hate. It's, there seems to be no middle. But um, I, like I always say, I mean, I'm not a Brashear guy. I'm not a fan of his. But it's like at the end of the day, I've always said, you know, you got to give the devil his due. And I mean, guy oh, exactly. Guy didn't lose a lot of fights, and he, I I actually have him in my top ten of all time. And, oh, nice. Uh, you know, and it's like it, it pains me to say it, but I. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I mean I like I don't know how you like you could like it's, and LaRock's the same way like a lot of people hate on LaRock and it's like oh Huggy Bear they didn't throw punch you know and they people always have this right whatever. and I'm like well I, I've I've talked to guys that have fought those guys that they would disagree with what you're saying and, exactly uh, and uh, you could probably count on you know one hand for a stretch of period how many losses Brashear had they weren't many so. No, 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 no. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a guy I don't want to see. Um, and um, actually, kind of funny. Um, I met him once. Uh, it was right after I turned 21. I was at a bar in um Jersey where I live, right outside of Philadelphia. And he's there with uh, some chick, and the chick goes to the bathroom, and I walk up. And I introduced myself. Hi, I'm Patrick. And, you know, Don Bershaw. I'm like, oh, you know, shit. Put my hand out. Shakes. Guy had, like, like one of the biggest hands I ever shook in my, in my damn life. Yeah, like and shaking, I'm like, hey, man, can like I buy, a, buy a drink? 
Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Buy, 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 buy him a drink. I'm like, hey, man, you know, I just wanted to say um, uh, big fan, huge Flyers fan and stuff. I, I just wanted to come up, say hello, buy a drink, and just say thank you. You know, I, I think you guys go out there, you kick ass and so forth. And, um, you know, don't want to interrupt, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you um, go back to your lady friend and enjoy the rest of your night. And then I just, like, kind of walked away. So, and then he, and then apparently the bar, he said something to the bartender and then the bartender comes over and he's like, uh, yeah, for sure wants to buy you and your two friends, uh, a round of shots. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So that was my, uh, my little, uh, moment with, uh, Donald Brashear. Well, there you go. But yeah, yeah. Donald's a bad dude, man. There you go. Good list. Oh. Good list so far. All right. I can't All right, remember so what, what number are we at? To... I hope you know. Uh, number six. There we go. Number six. So I'm going to go with a guy who um, is the uh, – this guy just got, indu- um, just got inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame uh, with Mr. Uh, Paul Holmgren. Uh, he ha- is the all-time leader in penalty minutes with 1,817 and 621 games. He scored 232 goals, accumulated uh, 508 points, uh, had 42, 40 or more uh, goals. He topped uh, 200 penalty minutes in his first three seasons. And he was one of the best power uh, forwards Flyers ever had. Played three all-star games in Philly. Went on to coach, uh, to Pittsburgh, won a cup there, coached, won a couple cups. And he's an analyst now for uh, NHL on TNT, the one and only Rick Tockett. Absolutely one of my all-time favorite players, yeah, the Tockett Rocket. He should be in the Hockey Hall yeah. of Fame. I don't know what they're waiting for. But uh, um, I don't know. Like I, don't, I said, once you once they've elected Gillies, everything's off the table at that point. Because Tockett's mm. got a lot better numbers than Clark Gillies does. But Right. You know. Not that I have a problem with Clark Gillies getting in. Hey, that's cool, too. Right. But, you know, I'm a fan of those guys. You know, but uh, right. I don't know. I think I think Tockett has the numbers to get in. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you want, you want a couple cups. Uh, I mean, his statistics alone. Um, and, he's, and he's the all-time leader in Flyers for the uh, Gordie Howe hat-trick. Well, he's, I think he's actually the all-time Gordie Howe hat-trick leader of all oh, time. Oh, all-time. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I think he's at 18 or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Oh, he's he, You know, he had yeah, skill. Oh, yeah. Skill, and he would kick your ass. Exactly. No, they don't make him like that anymore. No, Taka was awesome. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I love Tockett, and, you know, I always said, and I think, um, you know, I, I really think a lot of teams, like, coaching-wise, I don't think he got his 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 due. Yet, I, I think if from from what I've read, um, he whatever Philadelphia does, I think he's in the running to be um, one of the guys if they if they do decide to regime change. But I've always said this: I think if you get, take a guy like Tockett and if you put him in a Maybe, you know, 
if it's I don't think minor league. Maybe if he went to a junior team or um, an NHL team that had a lot of young talent, and you put him in, and you know he was like, "Hey, look at my resume. This is what made me successful." Like he would get like everybody on the same page, and that team would be phenomenal. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, if you could, you know, definitely be shape him in the in your in the in the mold of him. Anyway, yeah, he'd be on right. to something for sure. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I can't. You can't anything with Rick talking. You can't uh, can't argue with for sure. But, no, no, and um, I remember. Uh, I remember when they did um, when the Flyers um, invited him to the Hall of Fame uh, this year. Uh, in their hall, that uh, he was talking about um, how it, um, probably everybody's favorite coach, the hate Keenan, brought him in, and he was a young kid. And Keenan was like, you know, he, he was playing for the Flyers, and then Keenan, I think, was coaching um, the Canada Cup eighties in eighty seven, and he was like, uh. I don't think he's ready yet. And then he kind of challenged, um, Tockett and Tockett was like, and you know, most guys would be like, Oh, you know, F you. But, um, I think Tockett took that as like a kind of like personal challenge and became that leader where he's like, yeah, I don't need an A. I don't need a C on my chest. It's like, these guys know I'm going to go out there uh, and, bust my ass, do what I need to do, do the dirty work. If I got to hit somebody, if I got to score those dirty, sexy goals, those dirty goals that aren't sexy, I'll do what I got to do to win. And I think that's, you know, why a lot of people liked him, especially here in Philadelphia. Absolutely. I agree. All right. right. So that brings us to the top five now. There we go. All right. Well, this guy... Um, I don't know if I'm saying the name. Uh, he's from Alberta. Kala who? Who? Kala who? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm four beers deep right now. Well, I, I mean, I've never been there. I know I, you know, I've never been to Kala Alberta, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this guy, uh, he did two stints with the Flyers. He was known to uh, drop the gloves, take on anybody. He um, made a really good impression on the, on the NHL. De- debuted in 86-87 um, campaign. Only played seven, seven games. It turned out he got 57 penalty minutes in those seven games. Yeah. Six times he, he would be a um, over 100 minutes in the sin bin while playing for the Flyers, including uh, seasons... That came out to 291 minutes and 293. He was part of that um, fabled 87 team that took, the, in my opinion, the greatest dynasty of all time to a, a limit game seven. The one and only, the current ca- coach of the St. Louis Blues, the chief, Craig Berube. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I forgot he actually played for Philly twice. That's right. He did come back, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, no, and, I, and he was a player coach for uh, the Phantoms. 
Yeah, no, I was, uh, yeah, Ruby's one of my all-time favorite top guys. He's great. Just uh, drop the gloves and just, you know, just get the right hand going. And I can't remember who it was. Somebody told the story when they were sitting on the bus and, with the Phantoms. And somebody yelled up, hey, Chief, how come you never threw any lefts? And he just said, I never needed to. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that was Neil Little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, fighting goalie Neil Little. but uh, <laughs> The flying fighting goalie. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Hacky sack <laughs> the mask and away we go. Yeah, he, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, Baruby, I love the Chief. And uh, I was so pumped when they won the cup for him in St. Louis. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the guy was the guy was ageless for an enforcer. He played forever, fought everybody, and yeah. There's, oh yeah. What more is there to say about Craig Ruby? I guess the man. I love Craig Ruby. He's great. All right, so um, the next guy I got this in number four. Um, this guy uh, didn't really play that long with the Flyers. Um, had a kind of interesting career. He only played from '84. Um, played the 84-85 season to 85-86, and then he got traded to um, Minnesota, then came back to the Flyers for the 86-87 season. And his time with the Flyers, um, here, I mean, he really wasn't an offensive power, but um, here's his penalty minute numbers. 130, 55, 136. I'm going to talk about a guy uh, who wanted to beat the shit out of um, Mr. Wayne Gretzky by cross-checking him, but uh, when he played for the Rangers in 81, took a really nasty uh, uh, damage to his face from a guy we mentioned earlier of the Islanders, Clark Gillies, the one and only Mr. Boxcar. Dave Hospodar, or Ed Hospodar, what am I saying, Ed? Sorry about that. And, uh, you threw me off. I'm like, where is he? I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, Minnesota, Edmonton, Philly, or Philly, Minnesota, Philly. I'm like, who the fuck is he talking about? Oh, Ed Hospodar. <laughs> that, well, there. Well, I can tell you, that is, that. there you go. There is a name I did not think you were going to hit me with tonight, but. Oh, Boston. come on, man. Legend. Oh, I know who he, oh, he definitely is. I was just, I'm, I, all right. I was, uh, yeah, he, uh. He um he was a bit, man I, I I think it's even on my YouTube channel I got a few he threw some massive hits man uh I think oh I have, yeah I have a hit on my channel <laughs> he almost friggin' near kills Pat Lafontaine it's a clean hit too but yeah. it was oh like, I my question is this what was what was more brutal his hit or or Dale Hunter yeah on uh. Like you look and you're like, oh, that that might have been a little uh, rough on that, buddy. Yeah, but yeah, Hospitar, he was, um, <clears throat> yeah, he he ran around a lot, and uh, yeah, he was certainly yeah. fighting. Uh, that infamous Game Six in the Wales Conference Finals in '87, the brawl at uh, Montreal Forum. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I still get a. Still get a kick out of uh, watching that on YouTube to this day. Oh well, that's the thing, right? And because it, it, it's funny, and it's even funnier when like the younger generation watches it because they're because they there's they they have never seen anything like that, and it's mm-hmm. just like 
And it, and it's just at the end of the day when you watch it, it's like so petty. But there's it's just the principle of it, right? It's just the principle. Well, it's the petty. Listen, 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 Darren. Let's 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 cut it. And I'm not. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this down. Not as a Flyer fan, but come on, Claude Lemieux pulling the shit he pulled. Need I say more? Oh he no! Kinda, I mean, I, yeah, earned, I, oh, I completely get why it happened, and I completely have, have right. fully endorse why it happened. But when you get down right. to the roots of it all, it's like the pettiness of just well, fucking a lot of things in sports in general that get blown right. up to like unwritten rules and what you do and what you don't do in sports comes down exactly. to like petty shit, right? Really, to the outsider right. when they look at it, it's like who gives a shit. But it's like no. It, it means a lot. So, oh no, I, I completely understood why it happened for sure. Right. But yeah, Claude. Yeah, no, I was, I was in no part feeling bad for Claude getting it. That's for sure. Oh God. I, dude, I, I didn't feel bad 10 years later when he was getting his ass kicked in fucking Detroit. Oh, hell no. I loved it. Loved every minute of it. The guy deserved everything he got. Oh, Oh man. Yep. I'll tell you, if if the grind line had to go to fucking uh, had to get bailed out, I would have been I would have been sending money <laughs> for the. Oh bail yeah, there, uh, yeah, there would have been people <laughs> paying that fine for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that was uh, what number was that? Four. Hospital yes, was we're, four. Uh, we're, yeah, we're good. Um, and this is a guy who was, like I said, before my time. But you've you um. I got to give you credit. You turned me into a fan of his because you spoke so highly about him on your podcast. And number three is Mr. Ben Wilson. Oh yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here, here's some stuff about Ben Wilson. He only played five years in Philly, but this guy didn't take any shit from anybody. So let's, let's, Let's break it down, kiddies. 339 games with Philadelphia. He picked up 873 penalty minutes. 237 in the 80 to 81 season alone. He was a part of that 79-80 team that went 35 unbeaten streak, went to the cup final, which we all know was bullshit in game six because there was an extra man on Long Island. Um, He... Really wasn't that he could he could play his, he could play hockey. He he wasn't yeah. just a, a guy who would throw the body. He he scored more than ten goals uh, three times, and the most he had in his career was sixty three points, eighty eighty one. Finished his NHL career with one thousand four hundred and eighty penalty minutes. Yeah, no Ben Wilson. Uh, yeah, he's one of the. Yeah, he's in my my top five of all time. Yeah, he's a big dude. I think he's on. He's he's one of the unsung, um, uh, warriors on the ice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think he really get. I don't really think he gets his due. I, well, not from younger fans. I don't think. Um, yeah. You know, on older fans. I mean, well, and, that, and that's the thing, right? When you go back, when you start talking about guys in the seventies and stuff like that. I mean, although there is a fair amount. Um, I'm just sort of speaking in general terms now, but it's just, there's, there just isn't footage out there to see of them. Right. right. So people don't, it's not like now where you can, you can see everything everywhere. But so like back then, I think a lot of the old guys, 
you know, whether it be a Wilson or a Nick Fatio or guys like that, a lot of the footage is just unseen, so people don't really know. But there is a fair sample size of Ben Wilson footage out there, though. And, yeah, for those listening that, um, yeah, that haven't gone down the Ben Wilson rabbit hole, I, I highly recommend doing it because he was – and for he's a big guy. He's big now, so you can imagine back then yeah. how big he was. Oh, um, God. You know, and he looks like a monster when he's playing. And Yeah, yeah he, you look up at that guy and you're like, oh, shit, what did I get into? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Ben Wilson, for sure. So we're down to the final two here. Yes, final two. Um, I'm taking, all right, number two, I'm going back. Uh, we're going back to the Broad Street bully days. Uh, oh, I, those, think you, I think you have to, yeah. Oh, you have, have to. This guy... I mean, this is insane. This guy holds, still holds the NHL record for most penalty minutes with 472. That ain't getting broken. Yeah. He was known as the Hammer. Uh, he actually had a hit song called The Penalty Box uh, here in the Philly area. In four years, um, he never had below 259 um penalty minutes and he would this is a, a little thing uh i had to consult my dad because uh, he watched him um and I, I asked him well what do you remember about this guy and he was like well he would either throw keep throwing punches or pull the hair of the linesman who tried to break up the fight <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the one the only dave the motherfucking hammer schultz Absolutely, yeah, Saskatchewan boy. Yeah, he uh, he certainly ushered in the kind of whatever you want to call it, the goon era and the kind of the gang fighting and, <laughs> and that type of thing. And yeah, and it was uh, you know, and I mean, he has they have their detractors and everything else, but you know, two cups and the proofs in the pudding, and a lot better mm-hmm. player and a lot better player than people give him credit for. I mean, they look at the penalty minutes right. and all the craziness and everything else, but he had a twenty goal season, and yeah, I mean, and he certainly. Uh, yeah, no, the hammer, I mean, what is there to say about the hammer? There's, you know, nothing left to say. He's got an unbreakable record that nobody will ever break the penalty minute record. Oh, and, God, uh, no. Not and, even close. No, and uh, like you said, he, uh, in, in, in terms of as a fight fan or uh, if you want to turn in, in fight history, I would say when everybody always talks about the Mount Rushmores and stuff like that, I he is I did an episode of the Mount Rushmore and Dave Schultz right I remember that yeah and he is on my Mount Rushmore and uh, yeah deservedly so yeah and I think he was sort of the one that sort of kicked off like he wasn't the first fighter or anything in the NHL there's always been fighters but he was the one that sort of made it in vogue I guess and sort of yeah ushered in that era and that expansion era where you know teams are really loading up and 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 the Flyers were the reason they were loading up and uh, so. For all us fight fans, whether you like the Flyers or don't like well, the Flyers, whatever, I think he, you, we, as fight fans, owe Schultz a debt of gratitude. Yeah. Well, um, the thing, um, I never got a, um, I had a chance uh, about maybe a year ago. I, uh, I, uh, I was at a thing, the Flyers alumni, and I talked to um, Jim Watson. Yeah. And, I just asked, uh, we're, we're, I think I had like maybe a good 10, 15 minute conversation with him. And, you know, he had, he, he spent his whole, a majority of his career with Flyers, 
uh, came back. Uh, He's an ambassador, does a lot of charity stuff and so forth. And I asked them about um, that cup error. And I'm like, uh, and I remember, and I had said, like, I know you guys, you know, going up against Bobby Orr, Boston, and, and that Montreal dynasty. And I was like, what do you guys think was the, the one thing that put you guys over? And he said, well, you know, off the record between you and me, I think it was getting Schulte. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, that was the guy who gave us the toughness that we really needed. I mean, we had Barber, we had Clarky, we had Perron, we had Leach, but I think Schultze was that that guy. Like he he's like that unsung hero who, you know, once we got him and every the NHL like the rest of the league was like, "Oh, we cannot fuck with Philly anymore." No, exactly. And yeah, he so, was Yep, absolutely. Well, the moment is here. Oh, number one, I kind of yes. figure. I kind of think I know who it is, but uh, lay it um, on me. Who's the number one? Well, well, I have player? to say this. Um, listening to you, Darren. Um, uh-huh. Actually, I had to go back and review this guy because you are you're such a fan of his, and I trust um, your opinion more than mine. I mm-hmm. kind of. I, I might have more of a hometown view, but I wanted to be like, oh, okay. Well, let me let me see what this guy has. So this guy played 11 seasons with the Flyers, had 1,382 penalty minutes in 552 games. Um, this guy had a really bad, a real dangerous um left hand and at six five he was big enough to take out any guy and when you have a hall of famer in mark howe who said knowing that guy was watching our backs gave the other players peace of mind to make plays happen in traffic and the boards i am going with the one and only mr dave brown absolutely yeah it's a fellow Saskatoon boy, and uh, yeah, what is definitely uh, the argument could probably be made by some. I've seen it, and it's legitimate. Uh, a lot of people have him as their number one all time, and I can see that. Um, yeah, I, I don't, but I can see why people do. Um, it's certainly I kind of do a one A one B thing, I guess, with him and Probert. Right now, totally understand. Yeah, but it's uh, in terms of just outright mean enforcer. Yeah, Brown was, yeah, un, dude was a menace, man. No, and uh, yeah, what more is there to say about Dave Brown, man? You get the ultra tight left hand, left hand, and uh, jersey, and uh, got that left hand going. And like I said, there was no. Oh, it was like a jackhammer. Yeah, and it was no good luck, bro. And uh, like, I, I think, I think after like the third or fourth hit. You were like, it would register. Oh, he hit me only once. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like, oh. <laughs> well, and like, that was what? the thing. And there was no, we're fighting. There was no, 
yeah, there's that's what's happening here. So you can decide what you're going to do, <laughs> but yeah, actually, I don't think you really gave anybody a choice. It was just I'm going to start hitting. Oh you no, no, we'll no, see no, what no, happens. No. So, but yeah, that. Uh, well, man, that was a hell of a list, and I mean, I completely agree with that list. And uh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, it was uh, well, like you said with the Flyers, it's just it's such a rich history of toughness on that team and in that franchise. And uh, I mean, you could. Right. You could do a friggin' top fifty list, I'm sure, with the Flyers and just go with their fighters. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. But uh, well, man, um, yeah, I certainly want to have you back on the show for sure. I mean, like I said, we're kind Darren, of bouncing through segments I, here. But... I, I gotta say, um, first off, um, I think uh, just on my just my opinion, I, I'm not sure. I'm talking about all hockey fans or fight fans in general. I think you're doing um, a hell of a job. With the podcast, I've uh, I've been thoroughly uh, enjoying it and a fan. And thank you. You've actually um, enriched my uh, love for hockey fights by bringing up some, some of the stuff that I didn't even know about and so forth. So I just think it's more of a testament to you and a labor of love um, for the game and um, fights in general. So I think if somebody should be thinking, <laughs> I, I, I have to thank you, man, uh, for one, for doing what you're doing and, um, letting me be on. I mean, this was a uh, really, really fun, a uh, couple beers at me, but, uh, you know, no problem. Um, I enjoyed talking to you and, uh, luckily I'm down here in my basement flash kids play room the wife and kid are asleep yeah they could yeah and uh no man no i hey man i always i appreciate you listening to the show appreciate you taking the time coming on and uh and the kind words and like i said this is what the show's all about and i've always said the show is for you guys the for the listeners and uh yeah we're like i said we're all just a bunch of crazy fight fans you know yes we are talking about shit that happened 20 years ago but i'm loving every minute of it but uh oh you can't you can't you can't go wrong with that man no absolutely all right patrick well thank you very much for coming on and we will certainly do this again thank you very much darren you got my number man um we're on facebook uh just let me know when this uh drops and just let me know when you uh need me to uh come back on and I look forward to uh, talking to you when, when the next podcast comes out, man. Absolutely. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 